The following audio is from First Baptist Pelham in Pelham, Alabama. More information about First Baptist Pelham is available at fbcpelham.org. with you but this is not fair the last time I was here I preached in front of Ted trailer today behind Charles Carter and in front of your new pastor I thought you loved me better than that but it is a joy to be with you thank you so very much I apologize for my voice I have uh, been recovering from pneumonia And they said that I would have this voice and cough until the Lord came back. And I'm ready for the Lord to come back. I'm telling you. Oh, what a joy. Have you ever had someone that you look up to? Someone that you admire, appreciate and respect to say to you, I'm so disappointed in you. It'll cut you to the quick. I'm a hunter. I've hunted all my life. When my health began to digress not long ago, I made a bucket list. In fact, I had a bucket list before the movie came out. There were some things on that bucket list I wanted to do. And they said, Sammy... You're to the point now where you've got to stop hunting. You've got to stop jumping out of airplanes. You've got to stop riding Harleys. And you've got to stop riding bucking horses. I said, nah. So I began to work on some of those things in the bucket list, two of them. I wanted to go back to Alaska and hunt bear. And I wanted to go back to Africa and work on the big five. I had the privilege of doing that. Harvested some really nice bear. And I took two of the big five. I was in a tent, cold, dark, and lonely. And I was really praying, thanking God that he'd given me a few more days and that I could accomplish two of those on my bucket list. And in the cold darkness of that tent, it was as if God whispered in my ear, I'm so disappointed in you. And it broke my heart. He began to deal with my heart and said, in what little time you have left, the most important thing in the world for you was to kill a lion. Nothing wrong with taking a lion, but I'd made it the top priority of my life. And he said, I'm so disappointed. If you have your Bible with you, I want to take you to the text that he took me to in the middle of that night, cold and alone. Philippians chapter 4. I want to share with you what I'm trying to learn. I wish I could tell you I've learned it, but I'm not. I'm working on it. But here's the struggle we had during that night as God began to deal with my heart. Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown. So stand fast. In the Lord, my dearly beloved. 
What God began to deal with me was that little word that is translated here, stand fast. It's the word for faithful. Oh, it's real easy to be faithful when you're at First Baptist Church Pelham and everyone looks like you look and they act like you act and they believe like you believe. But how is it when you get to school or at work or somewhere in the marketplace and someone says to you, I'm not really sure about the existence of God. Are you faithful then? Or what if someone comes to you and they've just gotten that word last week, you have cancer and you don't have long. And they begin to pray and they don't receive an answer and they tell you, I don't believe in the power of God anymore. Can you be faithful then? Can you be faithful when the storm comes in your life like Peter? When crisis beyond your control, completely out of your control happen, can you be faithful then? I was in the Kalahari Desert. We came upon a fresh lion kill and began to track the largest lion track we've ever seen. We tracked that lion for three days. I had never hunted in the desert. During the day, your skin will fry like bacon. It literally will wrinkle up and burn like bacon. But when the sun goes down, it's way below freezing, and you cannot believe how cold it is in the desert. For three days, we fought this difficult, difficult time with weather and all the other stuff. On the third day, my guide stopped me and said, this is getting ready to get real serious. I said, really? He said, the lion is not going to allow us to push them any further. They know we're on the trail. I've seen where they've turned around. They've watched us for three days. They're not going to take this anymore. He said, it may be five minutes. It may be 30 minutes. It may be an hour. It may be before the end of the day. But today, the lion that we've been on for three days will charge. It will not take this anymore. I thought for a moment and I said, what if I miss? He looked me straight in the eye and said, don't even think about missing. You've made this shot a thousand times. Forget that it's a lion and just do what you've done a thousand times. Just put the bullet where you know it's supposed to be. I thought, wow. There's a great sermon in that because I know you think you're at the end of your rope. Your life is unraveling as a student. Your best friend has lost their life. A couple friend of yours, they've decided they don't love each other anymore and they've split up. Crisis everywhere you turn and you think, I can't do this. I cannot do this anymore then good. Turn it over to God because He's done it a thousand times and He'll walk you through the worst crisis of your life. And so, in the middle of that cold, dark tent, I began to realize as God convicted me 
that my bucket list should not be about doing. It ought to be about being. Be faithful. Now that doesn't mean be faithful and be in church today. You ought to be in church today, but being faithful is far deeper than that. It's how you behave. It's how you walk. It's how you treat people. It's the relationship you have with Jesus Christ. Be faithful. By the way, that begins with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You cannot be faithful to someone you don't even know. And God's first call to you is always unto salvation. The first call of God upon your life will always be unto salvation. So be faithful. Look with me in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Simply the word for joy. God began to deal with me about joy. Oh, it's easy to have joy when everything's going your way. You've just gotten a raise. You bought a new house. You got a new car. You got new golf clubs. In my case, I got a new quarter horse. It's easy to have joy when everything's going right. But what happens when it doesn't go right? My son and daughter-in-law came by my house and said, we need to talk to you and mom. I called Carol in and we sat down in the den. My son looked at me and said, dad, you're going to be a granddad. Wow. I'm telling you, if I hadn't have been a Baptist, I'd have shouted. I'm dead. I danced, but I kept one foot still. That makes it legal. I mean, I couldn't believe it. I'm going to be a granddad. We rejoiced with them. And several weeks went by, and they came back by the house and said, Dad, twins. Wow. Barrett said, Ashley is carrying identical twin girls. I raised women's professional barrel racing horses. I went and named two of my colts already for them. I'm, I put their name on the stall. I said, I'm going to have two granddaughters running in the world championship. I couldn't believe it. Man, it came time for Barrett and Ashley to have those little girls. We looked like the Clampets had come to town. The whole clan moved in the hospital. We brought the entourage down the hall. All of us crowded in the room. Nurse walked in like, holy cow, what is going on here? We were so excited. I'm telling you, we were having a fit. There was a church over in Selma doing a wild game dinner afternoon. I was going to go by and speak at that and come back and be there. Uh, by the time they did the C-section, take these little girls. I got to Selma and got out of my car. And just as I did, my iPhone vibrated and I looked down and I saw it was my son. I said, well, I just left him. I'll be back with him in just a few minutes. I kept walking to the church. I got to the church. It vibrated again. I looked down and it was... It was my daughter. And I said, well, I just left her. I said, I might all take that. I stepped over to the side and my daughter said, Dad, you need to come back to the hospital quickly. Something's all wrong. I found the pastor and explained and jumped in my car and headed back to Montgomery to Baptist Hospital. I headed down that long corridor Labor and delivery, and I could see my son standing down at the end of the hall. 
I got to him. He just fell over on me, buried his head in my chest. Huge hulk of an athlete. Toxemia developed just about the time they were ready to deliver our two granddaughters. And it poisoned them. And they delivered them and they would lose a heart rate and they'd revive them and they'd lose it again. And we lost both of those little girls. I cried till I couldn't cry anymore. Dads are supposed to be able to fix things and I couldn't fix it. I couldn't make it go away. I stood there and held my son and we wept together. The doctor walked out and put his arm around us. He said, I've never seen anything develop as fast as this did. I can't explain it. I don't know how long we stood there. Finally, the doctor backed up a step and said, Ashley is going to be coming out from under the anesthesia in just a moment. And she's going to be expecting two little girls. Somebody's got to come tell her. I took a big breath knowing I was the preacher in the family. I assumed that was going to be my lot. My son looked at me and said, Dad, I need to do this. He went in and stood beside her bed and shared what had happened. They sent for us and we went in the room and stood with them around the bed. Ashley looked up and said, Barry, why don't you lead us in our prayer? Preachers always wonder if their kids are getting it or not. You know, I knew they sat on the front row because they had to, because their daddy was the preacher. I wondered if they heard a word I said. But when my son began to pray, I realized that wasn't my little boy anymore. He'd grown into a godly man and dad and father. He finished praying and the nurse who had been attending Ashley walked up between Barrett and myself and said, I don't know what you folks have, but it's something I don't have and could you tell me about it? Barrett and Ashley turned and shared a witness and led her to the Lord standing beside the hospital bed. Two weeks later, when Ashley was able, they walked down the aisle with that nurse at First Baptist Church, Montgomery, as she made that public. They stood in the baptistry with her when she was baptized. Listen to me this morning. You cannot wait until tragedy strikes to be joyful. That comes from an intimate relationship with the Lord. Being joyful is not an event. It's an experience with Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. So, Sammy, in the cold night air, it was like God was peeling an onion one layer at a time. And I was learning that my bucket list ought not to be about doing but it ought to be about being, being faithful and being joyful. Look at verse 5. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. That's a wonderful word, moderation there. It's been translated, be a gentle Christian, be a kind, caring Christian, being an encouraging Christian. 
I'm amazed at how many husbands are no longer their wives' best encourager. I'm worried by how many ladies are no longer their husbands' best encourager. I'm frightened by how many moms and dads and grandparents are no longer the best encourager to their children and grandchildren. Our churches are filled with godly men and women who have spent their life studying God's Word, preparing to teach on Sunday in Sunday school. Rarely, if ever, does anyone just go to them and say, I want to thank you for being an instrument of God to teach His Word to me Sunday after Sunday. I'm amazed by how many years we will go and the average pastor, the average Baptist staff member, when their phone rings, it's either a crisis or a complaint. And we never take the time to go to them and say, I want to thank you for leading us in worship, for helping me to grow. I got to that passage in that tent and God said, Sammy, if you take five people out of your life, you could be a derelict today. I began to write names and say, oh God, what would I have done without that person? What would I have done without that person and that person? I made my list and I made a commitment to God when I got back that I'd go find them and I'd tell them thank you and I've done that. But I made my list and I thought, wow, that was a good exercise. And then God said, Sammy, are you on anyone's list of five? Are you making a difference in anybody's life? If anyone sat down today and made a list of five people that have changed their life, would you be on anybody's list? If not, something's drastically wrong. You see, if you're going to have a bucket list, it's about being, not doing. It's about being faithful. It's about being joyful in the face of crisis. It's about being an encourager. Look at verse, eight, uh, verse 7. Verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are just, Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any true virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. What do you think about when you aren't thinking about anything? You say, well, if you're not thinking about anything, you're not thinking. Oh, I beg your pardon. Your mind's always at work. Now I realize my wife is not here and if I, want her, if I want her to know this, I will tell her. 
we're driving down the highway, two and a half hours away, I'm going to be preaching. I'm concentrating on the road and I'm going over my sermon point by point. Boy, I'm focused. We have driven an hour and a half. Nothing on the radio, not a word said. I'm concentrating. I don't know what she's doing. I'm, I'm headed to where I'm going to preach. An hour and a half into the trip. She turns to me and said, I think so. She's been having this conversation an hour and a half. And all of a sudden it comes out of her mouth as if I've been having that conversation with her an hour and a half. See, your mind's always at work. Are you thinking about how bad you've got it? How miserable you've been treated? How you haven't gotten the breaks? How life isn't fair? Or do you spend your time thinking about how good God is? What a glorious time eternity is going to be. Have you got a bucket list? Is it more about doing? Mine was, I'm sorry, but it was. Or is it about being? Being faithful, being joyful in the face of crisis, being an encourager, or being peaceful, being thoughtful, spending time thinking about the grace of God. I don't know about you, but every day of my life, I pray this prayer, God, I am keenly aware you could have chosen to do this without me or without you. But by your grace, I'm allowed to be a part of your kingdom's work. What do you spend your time thinking about? Would you bow your head with me? This invitation is going to be a little different Your staff will be down here. The musicians will be playing. And for the first little while, we're just going to have music. Just for the first little while. But I'm going to give you the opportunity to be a biblical encourager. I am convinced that our church and our lives will never be what they ought to be until we learn to be a biblical encourager. You think, what does that mean? I'm about to tell you. With your head bowed and no one looking around. It may be up this aisle where the students are that you need to slip out of that pew and go to your best friend and say, I want to thank you for being the best friend I've ever had. This is not a fellowship chorus. It's not where you go shake anybody's hand. This is where you go look in someone's eye and say, thank you for blessing my life. Thank you for being my Sunday school teacher. Thank you for being my staff member. Thank you for being a deacon. Thank you for being my best friend. Thank you for leading me to the Lord. Thank you for being my mom or my dad. And maybe parents need to go to their child or teenager and say, thank you for being God's gift into our home. 
It means, sir, you'll have to swallow that old male ego and slide over by your wife and say, thank you for being the greatest wife in the world. It means, ma'am, you're going to have to overlook some of his nasty habits and slide over by him and say, thank you for being the head of our home. Now, your tendency is going to be, man, I'm not doing that. And you'll get home and you'll grieve over not going to somebody that right now in this room is wondering if you've forgotten when they invested in your life. They're wondering if you're even going to remember enough to come to them. I've allowed enough time for us to do that. With our heads bowed, would you stand with me? And for the first little while our heads are bowed, we're just going to have the music playing. And unless you're moving, I beg you to just stand there and pray. But I'm going to lead us in a prayer and I'm going to beg you to go find somebody. Father, would you give them the courage to go find somebody right now in Christ's name? Already people are moving all over the building. Someone's waiting on you to come. If you sit there, you're going to miss one of the greatest blessings God has for you today. In the balcony, go to the side. Come down here. Go up there. Don't stand there and miss what it means to be a biblical encourager. To say to your staff, to say to your best friend, to say to your husband, to say to your wife, to say to God, thank you for loving me, forgiving me. Students, find your best friend, would you? Find that person you go to school with. Find that husband or wife. Parent, maybe you need to go find your student. Student, maybe you need to go find mom or dad and say, thank you for being the best dad the best mom in the world. Someone in this building right now is wondering, have you forgotten their investment in your life? You will make their day if you'll go find them. Students, I challenge you, go find your parent if they're here. Go find your Sunday school teacher. Go find your youth director. Quickly. We've built time in for you to do this. You're going to get home and you're going to wonder why in the world didn't I go find them. Thanks for listening to this podcast. For more information about First Baptist Pelham and other free resources like this one, log on to fbcpelham.org.